Well, good day, good morning, good evening. Whenever you are joining me, my name is Jill. These are Jill's Journals Out Loud, and today might be or should be Friday, unless I decide to upload it Thursday, which is the day I'm recording it, uh, in September of 2022. So that would make this the 15th, I believe. And so I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to try to do this again. I posted last Tuesday saying I couldn't get a podcast made because it was just the cluster of all cluster. So I'm sitting here trying to recreate the same uh, scenario after testing everything. Uh, I still don't know why my software is breaking down, but I'm just going to try to move forward (laughs) because it's not just a a software, hardware, uh, situational issue. There's also a lot going on for me behind the scenes. And uh, I have not been able to reconcile it. And so I was so flabbergasted last Tuesday, I couldn't even speak because I knew it would come off very angry and very confrontational and very negative. Uh, You know, the equivalent of rage out loud is very difficult to listen to, especially uh, when you don't really care about the situation. You know, it's good when you're mad at someone and someone voices their rage for you, but I'm just mad at myself. And so I didn't think I would get much support in that. So I'm going to try to start over and go again. So the purpose that I really uh, am moving forward, as I repeatedly keep telling you, is that, you know, I love people who are like me, what I called wired for danger. Uh, We all have every stress response, fight, flight, freeze, Uh, And I just had my second very intense experience with the fight, flight, freeze scenario in which I have just been out of my mind trying to deal with it for the last week. Uh, And I still don't have it resolved in a way that I will ever have peace. And I was able to step back enough and stop, you know, pointing fingers because my old pattern would be to, you know, start yelling and controlling and make everybody else the problem. Uh, You know, I can see that the only one I'm really upset with is me. Uh, And I can see the reason I'm upset with myself is I have been getting internal guidance and direction for three years now, which I keep ignoring and uh, keep making decisions based on how my life moves forward that blow up in my face, although there still has been a lot of positives that have come around that. And so, uh, you know, I can get to the point where I'm, okay, I'm upset with myself. Uh, I can process this in my journal, which is what I do. I can vent to a friend, which is what I did. I can feel slightly better, but I'm still highly aggravated. And so when I was thinking about it more this morning, Uh, I was thinking that the real power of this experience is not what's happening to me or the logistics of it, which I will go into a little bit, but the real power is that I am wired to confront an issue. Uh, My second choice is to leave. If I can't can't deal with the issue head on, then I leave. Uh, But if I can't leave, all I'm stuck with is the freeze response. And the problem with the freeze response, especially in somebody like me or us, is I am now flooded with all the fight flight chemicals and there's no place for me to discharge them. I just don't have the physical energy to go out and, you know, run a couple miles or, you know, do something 
intense, just as a sidebar, you have uh, the first 24 to 48 hours is really the only time you can discharge those stress chemicals. Anything after that, you're just damaging your system. And so the last few days, I have been completely wiped out energetically because I am so hyper aware that I have all these stress chemicals in me and I don't know how to get them out. And so I've been trying all these things, trying to physically get those chemicals out of me. But what I'm noticing is I'm mostly just exacerbating the situation with uh, this food plan I'm on, or I'm over caffeinated, or I've noticed that if I, uh, you know, I'm still getting headaches if I don't have some kind of antihistamine. So, uh, you know, I have like four different kinds and, you know, most of them now are creating some kind of uh, rage response in me. I'm getting hyped up where all my stress chemicals, uh, if you remember, these are not norepinephrine uh, sinus medication, but that's the same stuff speed is made out of, crack is made out of. So uh, there used to be a really powerful anti uh, histamine effect when you have amphetamine because it's a vasoconstrictor, which is really the goal. I'm trying to dry up, you know, all the mucus, blah, blah, blah. So it's been kind of an intense week for me, but it has been a party that I've been having all by myself because nobody's doing anything to me. I'm not in any actual danger. And I've allowed this process to continue because I really wanted to get the takeaway, like what happens when you're in a situation that you can't do anything about. And that really, you know, speaks to my analogy where I keep saying, you know, you're locked in the basement with the serial killer. And if your response is you're strapped to the table and you're filled with fight or flight and you're being frozen, that is really the source of trauma. You know, people, statistically, people who fight their attacker, especially women who've been raped, if you fight your attacker, that's your least traumatized person. People who don't do anything, which used to be the advice, women just lay there and take it, right? Don't say anything and maybe they'll go away. Those people have a higher incidence of post-traumatic stress than people who fight, uh, people who run away, people who do something to stop the bad thing that's happening to them. And, uh, and so I'm observing that I'm in a situation where I can't use any of my innate responses. And now I've been trying to intellectualize, problem solve, process, do all these other things, totally not working. And so I thought, this is really interesting. And, you know, not being a primary freeze person, uh, being someone that usually reacts in a way where I can get up and go, or I can say something, uh, I, you know, I'm, I've been doing a lot of processing about that because we are entering a world where that might be even more of an issue. Uh, you know, our world in the past has been one uh, where you can say F you and just take off. Uh, but, you know, if you're a prisoner in a, a prison, you don't have that luxury, right? You're stuck. You have to deal with the consequences. And, you know, we're creating an external system right now that's becoming more and more controlled that will elicit more and more of the freeze response, which is really, you know, what a lot of this trauma-based mind control reference that people are making is that, the freeze response is the most likely response in which you will retain long-term damage because 
at a practical level, you're being flooded with chemicals and you have no control. Uh, so just to visualize that, you know, right now we have had a jungle, right, all summer long. And so uh, I haven't been walking in the weeds because uh, they're just so high, so wet, and so sticky. But uh, I prefer to walk behind the property as opposed to on, down the road because I'm, you know, bored with the road and blah, blah, blah. So tonight, this morning I was walking down. Uh, there's a another lot behind this property and then there's a dirt road and that's about the only road so far that I haven't been, you know, face to face with loose dogs. So that's to me, even though it's unrealistic, it's the safest place for me to walk at this point in time. So as I was walking, uh, you know, this is probably about the fifth or sixth time I've done it in the last two weeks. I'm just starting to make a path through the weeds that I can follow. Uh, so I'm breaking down all the stuff with thorns and uh, crap that gets all over my pants and my boots. Uh, and it's easier for Haven because she's so tiny still, even though she's getting so big. She hasn't got the memo. She's not a lap dog anymore. Uh, so her head isn't getting, you know, assaulted by all of the uh, the foliage, right? So, but the path is still very light and I lose it in several places. But that's what our brain and our body is like. Our brain sets down pathways. Uh, you know, if you remember the human, primal human training program, I talked about how there is uh, the fascia uh, is a skin basically that covers our body. Uh, our muscles and our ligaments and our tendons, and that's a communication highway. And it's the same thing. You're laying down pathways. And so when you have a repeating experience, good or bad, that pathway gets more and more ingrained and it gets more and more difficult to break that pattern. And so when it's a good habit, right, like I go for a walk every morning uh, versus it's a bad habit, you know, I charge off down the the most uncomfortable path every morning. Uh, you know, another uh, way to look at that is uh, when you talk about muscle memory, uh, same thing, creating a pathway. So it takes uh, three to 5,000 movements of your muscle and your fascia to create a consistent habit. No, I, let me rephrase that. It takes three to 500 repetitions to create the positive habit. It takes three to 5,000 new movements to recreate a different pathway that does not have a negative component to it, which is so why it's so hard. Once your posture gets off, it is much harder to correct poor posture than it ever would have been to establish good posture in the first place. And, you know, when I was doing, uh, I had my uh, personal trainer certification for a while. And so when I would do training, it would just like kill me to watch everybody doing all these uh, movements, physical, cardio, uh, strength training, stretching, all this other stuff incorrectly, because all they were doing is creating long-term patterns that were going to create injury. Uh, you know, there's a whole thing with the running movement where barefoot running is totally opposite of heel-toe running. And there's, uh, you know, great debate between which is the best way to do it. But there were very few injuries when people run barefoot. Everybody gets an injury when they go heel-toe in a running shoe. And so it's very difficult to let go of things that are deeply ingrained habits until there's so much pain and so much discomfort, 
you either give up and check out or you make the decision to do something about it. And that's sort of the head I came to. Sorry, the dog has awakened. I tried to distract her. Now she found the plastic toy. Um, until there's so much pain and discomfort that you're open to the idea of doing something differently. And I'm and that's kind of where I've been at the last few days because I've been hitting my head against the knowledge of what I should be doing and I can't do it. And so I keep chasing a different scenario, hoping this one will be the one that's different. You know, most of us do that in relationships, right? This will be the right person. I won't get hurt. This will be the right job. Uh, you know, I will make money and be successful. This will be the right diet. I will feel better. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it is as simple as that. But other times it's the lesson behind it. Like, okay, I'm with this person for the 675th time. It's the same type of person. What can I do differently so I don't get hurt this time? Am I ready to observe my role in this situation? And so most people either don't want to do that or we're very slow to do that. Uh, I always make the example, you know, of my terrible relationships. You know, they would take me 10 years, then it took me five years, then it took me three years, and then it took me a year, and then it took me six months. And now, you know, it takes me one 10-minute conversation before I can recognize this is not a good person for me because the injury, the pattern, the trauma keeps trying to put me in that old situation. And the only way I can heal it is to say no, set the boundary and do something differently. When we don't understand that about ourselves, then we just keep recreating the primary injury and we wonder why bad things happen. Now, the second piece of that is that most of us make decisions based on comfort or safety. And I would define comfort as things which don't require very much, uh, you know, food that tastes good, uh, a soft place to sleep, entertainment, distraction. Uh, I feel safe in the world because I'm not paying attention. And I'm, and that primary need comes from when we're a baby and an infant, we're supposed to be comfortable and safe in our home. Most of us aren't, but that takes us to the other issue, which is safety. Now, safety is a primary issue when you have had it compromised, especially as a child, when you've been betrayed by a parent or somebody close to you, then that becomes a primary injury. And so uh, there's a reality to living in our body and world that requires us to make decisions based on comfort and safety. How we do that and through the filter of our nervous system is how we navigate this world. And we all are doing it very, very differently, which is why we perceive the experiences very, very differently. So my observations about somebody's behavior will be wildly different than somebody else's because what I've learned lately in the last week is almost all of my perceptions are filtered through safety and survival. And then, you know, can I fight? Can I run? But when I have no safety and I'm stuck frozen in a situation where I don't feel safe, then I fell apart. 
And so it's not about what's happening out there. It's about recognizing what you're doing so that you can figure out how you can best navigate your way forward. Now, the issue in terms of having this conversation with you, which is a big, heavy conversation, but like I said, I'm all about safety. Uh, you know, we're moving into a world that's very different. All of the uh, cultural and civilization and societal uh, safety measures are starting to go away. Uh, you know, I give this example of when I was in California, you know, the first fire, I panicked and I ran down the hill completely out of control with making a million bad decisions. The second time I had a fire, I was much more clear and I decided to not leave because I was willing to take the consequences of that. And my neighbor, she made the decision to stay based on the fact that I was choosing to stay because in her mind, she was a nurse. Uh, she'd already had a stroke. She was overweight. Uh, she didn't have a lot of physical health. In her mind, if something happened to her, she would call 911. And I said to her, they're not coming up. The mountain is closed as long as there's a fire. But in her mind, I would take her to the hospital so that she could be safe. In my mind, I was not going to do that. I might have dropped her off on the highway and maybe somebody could have picked her up and taken her down. But it, once you left the mountain, which to me at that moment meant safety for me and my animals, because once you left the mountain, you can't come back up. You know, all these people had gone to work and their animals were locked in their houses and they weren't allowed to return. Uh, and those animals were left without food and water for 10 days. And so it was really ugly. And I wasn't going to do that because my guiding principle is safety. And the last time I had a fire, I took us all away uh, and I had a horrible experience in which I wasn't safe with my own family. And so you know, I decided that I would take my chances with the fire because at that point, my family was more dangerous to me than uh, the fire was. And so I make all my decisions based on survival and safety and not on comfort because I will sacrifice anybody's feelings, anybody's uh, comfort in the sense that if I, I will choose my uh, safety over their need to be entertained, their need to be told that they're special, their need to be uh, the center of attention, their need to be, uh, you know, right, or whatever the scenario is, uh, because that's what their primary thing is. They want comfort. Uh, my primary thing is I want to be safe. And those things do really bad together in a situation where the world, the rules of the world have drastically changed. And so that's, uh, that's a little bit, you know, kind of about what I've been processing these last, uh, this last week and why I was so upset because I can't do anything. And so I thought, well, at the very least, what I can do is use this opportunity to try to understand what was happening at a chemical level, uh, what my real and actual options are in a physical, real human world body level, 
Uh, and then what I want to do with this emotionally and spiritually. And, and that's why, you know, I talk about these concepts of survival and then there's sanity, which is really the mental emotional survival is the body in the world. Sanity is, uh, you know, the mind and the, uh, heart and then sacred, which is the spirit. And so, you know, it's easy to say, you know, I am an eternal spirit. I'm going to sit here and Zen out and nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. Uh, but that, you know, takes me back to that story, which is what a lot of people do. I'm, I'm creating a bubble of safety and, uh, I'm fine and I don't have to do anything to stay safe. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's that great allegory that is, you know, this guy is drowning in the ocean and he says, God, please save me. And, uh, a, a boat comes up and the boat says, do you want to, do you want to get in? And he says, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. And they're like, okay. And so then an airplane or a helicopter flies by, let's say a helicopter and drops a line and says, do you want to lift out? And he says, no, I'm waiting for God to save me, save me. So I couldn't think of what the third one was. So in my mind, the porpoise, a dolphin comes by and says, here, grab onto my fin. I will take you to that island of safety. And he says, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. So he's drowning and he says, God, God, why haven't you saved me? And God says, I just sent you three different ways to be rescued. And you said no to all of them. And I think that's part of being a mature adult and letting go of who we are as children that our parents were supposed to keep us safe. Most of us had, you know, some kind of icky experience with our parents to whatever degree is different. But the reality is, is that we all were supposed to be protected and have a period of comfort and safety in which we could develop our stress response, which we could develop skills the dog is asleep, hallelujah, uh, develop skills to stay safe and to slowly learn about this, the stress out in the world, how to manage that stress uh, and the bad things that can happen to us. And as we mature, we are better able to manage those things. But most of us don't have that experience. Most of us have some kind of trauma, some kind of bad crap that happened to us. So our work as adults is to sort of reparent ourselves and figure out who we want to be in the world and what life we want to live of comfort and safety, whatever that balance is for you. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying I'm way out of balance and I recognize that, but I'm not I don't feel like we're moving into a period of time where I can like do much about that. Uh, I will sacrifice comfort for safety any day of the week. So uh, it is a personal decision, but who we're responsible for is part of that. And, you know, it's been really interesting with a puppy who, by the way, is not making me feel younger or look younger. That's lighting, makeup, and uh, a lot of frustration having a puppy right now because watching her spas, you know, her, her innocence, her wanting to interact with things in her environment of not understanding what's safe and what's not safe, you know, headlong into the bad thing, um, no patience, no focus. You know, I, I have this terrible feeling like I don't want to break your spirit, but at some point, you know, in this puppy process, you have to grow up, right? You have to understand that part of being a domesticated dog is sometimes you have to sit around and be bored, right? Sometimes you have to wait to uh, have the ball thrown. Sometimes you need to focus because we're crossing, uh, we have a little, uh, 
the cattle guard where I, you know, it's practice for her to focus and not fall through the cattle guard, but she can't play on the cattle guard. She has to focus on her feet or she falls through. So, uh, and she's so smart and she's so good at so many things, but she's still like raging puppy where, uh, she knows she can, her attention is so powerful because she can see and hear, unlike the rest of us who are old or freedom was old, you know, the power of her to see and hear is just way above, you know, what I can do. And so she's on to everything, you know, barking at the birds. Bar Apparently there's two uh, wild cats that have moved onto the property, which is funny because they look and are the same size as the black rabbit. So there's all this traffic, you know, outside my window that she's barking at constantly. And, uh, and so, you know, I have this terrible, like, I'm sorry, but I can't let you be completely out of control all the time. Because at some point, you know, we're going to move into a period where you have to be quiet when you don't feel like being quiet and you have to be still. Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning I, when I was walking out back, there was a huge herd of elk and I, and they were really close. And I think one of them saw me. He looked like one of the boy, big antler guy saw me and I stopped and she's thrashing around because we're stopped. And uh, I'm like, I want to see how close I can get, you know, without uh, freaking them out. And, you know, when I was over in New Mexico, I had wild herds of things where I could get really, really close. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to see how close I can get. But she's, you know, not calm. She didn't see them, but she's thrashing around. And then, you know, they finally took off because what I could see was two coyotes coming after them. And they had lots of babies with them. So they all ran off. But, you know, this is a this is what attention and focus and stillness and freeze is for, right? The freeze is can I listen can I hear? Can I see anything else moving? If I am in fight or flight, all I'm doing is causing a lot of energy chaotic stuff. If I can freeze, if I can hold stillness and not get bogged down in my stress response of, as fear, I can use freeze to my advantage, then that's a really good thing. And so it has freeze response has a purpose fight response has a purpose flight response has a purpose uh, but this was a very educational experience for me in watching how different we all are uh, what our priority system is in any given situation whether it's a 24-hour day uh, whether it's the month or the season you know winter's coming up uh, whether it is, uh, you know, on the brink of war, uh, if it's on the brink of any kind of other disaster, what we are focused on, this is a very unusual period of time. And we get to choose how we want to manage it because we've been given back that responsibility because the external systems of uh, you know, a government or an institution or a monetary system or a food delivery system, all of those built-in systems that have provided us all the safety and comfort we could ever want, that have given us an opportunity to, you know, do what I always say, you know, uh, eat Cheetos and watch movies on the recliner in the living room in the comfort of, you know, air conditioning or heat. That's all going away. And we have to figure out who we want to be in the world in response to being uh, responsible for our personal 
comfort and safety and those in our proximity who depend on us. Uh, and, you know, my most concrete example is this damn firewood situation. So, you know, the positive is I got enough firewood that's hardwood for me. Uh, I don't have enough softwood, pine, but I can collect enough over the next months if I needed it to take care of myself. I don't have enough energy or strength to do anybody else. And so, you know, I have to make that decision. Do I worry about somebody else because they're not focused on it? Or do I just let go and focus on what I need to do? Or, you know, is there another option altogether? Uh, we will be coming to that in the future here. So this is a really powerful moment in which you can learn so much about yourself. And, you know, my real passion is for people who are like me, who are wired to jump towards danger. But this has been so illuminating being in a situation where I can't run and I can't fight and I'm furious as I'm flooded with all this energy and chemicals that I can't do anything with because I feel impotent. I feel weak. I'm so weak from this chemical flood I've been, you know, raging with for a, a week now that I don't, you know, I can't get anything done. And the only way I can resolve this situation is to start getting stuff done. So uh, I'm going to talk, you know, in the next podcast more specifically about the practical realities of what we talked about today. Like what can you do? Uh, what things do work? Is there any way to prepare for this so that you're not like me completely, uh, you know, screwed up and losing a week of my life, right? To stupid idiotic ideas that aren't even relevant to anybody but my own, you know, party in my head. So uh, I don't recommend, you know, doing what I've done this last week, but it, to me, I went with it because I thought, boy, if I can understand this, uh, this would be a powerful tool to communicate to others who are facing these same issues. And, you know, the problem is, is a lot of people who listen don't care about this stuff. They don't relate about this stuff. They're just sort of observing me experiencing this stuff. But, you know, so I was debating like how much detail I want to actually give. And I will think about that, you know, for tomorrow so I can give you more specific examples. But, but the reality is, is that this is not something almost anybody probably cares about or needs to know. But this is the kind of thing I would treasure. And so uh, I choose to have these experiences and I choose to find a way to communicate them because uh, I think it's a very powerful moment for me uh, and how I want to move forward. And so uh, I'm going to wrap it up. It looks like my uh, podcast actually recorded uh, my battery completely drained in the 30 minutes that I was talking to you. Uh, that's going to be a whole separate issue. Boy, this laptop is not a Chromebook <laughs> when it comes to power. Uh, and so I'm not really sure how I'm going to be moving forward with all this because the, the sound is terrible in the other room where I have electricity. Uh, I only have electricity here as if I run the generator. And if I run the generator, I can't record audio. This is a never-ending saga slash nightmare, but super grateful I have the laptop. So thank you to everybody who has contributed to me in the last two months that have allowed me to upgrade and move into new possibilities. Now I just have to figure out how. 
All right. Deep breath, my friends. Have an awesome day, and I will see you next time.